Hey folks, welcome to the AI Chicks, where we're providing you cool conversations about AI for all. With each episode bringing you a different topic on how AI impacts your daily life. Without further ado, I'm your host, Aisha Corpus Wynn, always bringing you good times and great insight. I am so thrilled that I had the idea to have you as my amazing co-host. Thanks, A. So my name is Lana Hout. I'm bringing the curls, the charisma, and that entrepreneurial energy to the stage. I'm really excited to dive into today's topic, which is the military, national security, and cybersecurity. Aisha and I are both going to give our takes on the subject. And of course, we're going to have to ask AI. Exactly. Anytime we're getting AI's take, we're always checking out multiple AIs and seeing what they have to say about (laughs) this subject. And so the one that we are highlighting today is from Character AI. According to Character AI, as an AI language model, I don't have personal opinions, but I can say that the development of AI is a double-edged sword. It has the potential to bring great benefits to society, such as improved productivity, more efficient decision-making processes, and new medical treatments. At the same time, there are also concerns about the impact of AI on jobs, privacy, and potential for misuse. National security is one area where AI is already playing a role, and it's important for policymakers to consider the potential risks and benefits carefully. And so on that note, Lana, what is your take on this? So this is a very fascinating topic. Obviously, as technology is continuing to emerge, right? One of the areas that it impacts is national security, the military and cybersecurity. So the military national security side, I'm really fascinated to learn how they're incorporating the AI, but also there's a global race that happens, right? With any new technology. So what that means is that all the different political powers are going to be trying to work so fast to not only get the technology, technology, optimize it, but figure out ways to create their offensive and defensive strategies. From the other side, there's cybersecurity, right? And I think with cybersecurity specifically, there's a lot that goes on with that. I mean, that affect us as individuals, right? You saw what happened with MGM and Caesars, right? They lost $100 million because of a cyber attack. Mm -hmm. So this is not something that's going away. I think if anything, we're only going to see more opportunities for hackers to like take advantage of that whether it be identity theft credit card theft you're going to see people looking for the vulnerabilities in the technology and then trying to maximize it that totally makes sense and speaking of hacking there was this research by a checkpoint research where they said that from 2021 to 2022 uh cyber hacks increased by 38 percent and the fbi went from getting a thousand hack reports to four thousand there was a 400 percent increase when i think about ai advancement within the cybersecurity space, the national security space, like, yes, our our abilities and defense abilities are going to increase and be more advanced because the technology is advancing. Of course. However, I also think like, wait, damn, like hacking is going to advance too. It is. So how can we best prepare ourselves for those types of situations as well. And so it is definitely something that um, I'm curious to hear our guests talk about and to get into further. And to your note about the global race, one of the super interesting things is that the chip processing that is needed for these AI um, platforms and tools, there literally are only two companies that make sort of like the chips that you see in your cell phones and for different AI peas. One is in Taiwan and the other is in the Netherlands. Mm -hmm. And so it will be really interesting to 
see how that impacts also the world globally when other governments are getting more and more into building their systems in the AI space. Of course. Yeah. No, that, I think that's a great point. And excited to hear what our guest has yeah, to say. And so coming up next, we're going to be chatting with Andrew Messersmith. And he is a security specialist. And we're also friends with him. So yeah. Chat with our friends. But we've never talked to him about this subject at all. Yeah. So this is going to be really fun because I really truly don't know what he's going to say. Yeah, it's going to be very, very interesting. All right. Hey, Andrew, good to see you again. <laughs> is hey, that um, we've been friends with Andrew forever. I, it's easily been like seven years. Yes. But we've never talked to you about this topic that we're going to get into today. It's true. Um, it's, this is our first time really delving into what actually Andrew knows does for and a does living. for a living. <laughs> right. Yeah. For people who don't know, all we do is play Settlers of Catan together. So, I know. So, uh, yeah, yeah, we, we, yeah, we play game nights. We have game nights and we talk about a lot of things, but not usually what we do. Yes. So that, the last time we saw you, Andrew, we were playing Settlers of Catan at my mm-hmm. house. And Lana, what did she do? She acted like she couldn't, she didn't know how to play. Look, I, I got no dog in this fight. So. Oh, come on. <laughs> you got to take my side on this. Listen, for everyone who's listening to this, okay, she's just mad because I only play the game once every six months. So I forget. I genuinely forget all the rules of the game. So when I come back, I'm like, okay, what are the rules? What's going on? And then I won. Okay, I won. Okay, I won the game. Yeah, you won an Oscar is what you did no, win. I didn't. Oh, you are your acting skills were on point. Okay, I like, just won. What do I do? I buy a, I buy a city. <laughs> oh my oh god, my that god. is so much of exaggeration. Okay, ask her who won last time. Well, I won. So, okay. And we're like, who won? You why haven't you, you haven't won? You you need a separate game. I think Andrew. I won one no, game. No, he did, I think. Yeah. He won he did? one game. He did. Okay, I forgot he that did. part. He did. Yeah. I won. All right. Well, Andrew, let's give everyone more insight on who you are, what you do. What's your specialty? I've been doing uh, industrial security for a couple years now. I primarily deal with things related to the defense industry, and I've been in the military. I'm a petty officer first class in the United States Navy Reserves. It's not an officer, despite the title. I'm I'm enlisted. I'm kind of the equivalent, like an NCO. Mm-hmm. Um, do have a, a tremendous amount of responsibility. I do deal with cybersecurity and that kind of stuff. My specialty is cryptology. Yeah. And then my current employer is a clear defense contractor called Andrew Industries. They're kind of new to the game, uh, definitely making some big waves. They're very unorthodox and unconventional with how they're approaching the defense industry. And their biggest products right now are drones that they supply to the military. Sometimes foreign militaries or foreign uh, governments, they are allowed to supply that technology as well. And they incorporate AI into their software like pretty much everybody else does. These um, days, yeah. yeah. Yeah, which is why you're here. Exactly. We yeah. want to know about what's going on in AI and national security yeah. and cybersecurity. And can you maybe take a step back and give the people who are listening just a, a taste of what they should know about national security and technology? Emerging technologies is definitely something of concern when it comes to national security because it's a double-edged sword, right? I mean, when we were investing in nuclear technology, we built a bomb first before we started building nuclear reactors. And that's kind of the big thing is any technology can provide something great for society or it can provide something bad for society. Anyone can weaponize it. Um, So AI is just another one of those really big emerging technologies. It's kind of shaking up industries. Definitely uh, an area of concern among many other things right now. Can you give us a bit more context around like what are those types of hardware or dynamics in which AI is being implemented into these security systems? I feel like people sort of misinterpret or misunderstand what AI really is. We say that all the time. So I would love to hear your take on it. Well, I think when most people think about it, they think about like Skynet or Terminator or something like that, right? Sentient artificial intelligence that has its own self-identity. Artificial intelligence right now 
is mostly they're just really complex algorithms. It's machine-based learning. So it's a computer program that's designed to follow certain pathways, certain computer logic, right? Yes or no, and kind of figure out how to make decisions. And then from there, it can, in a way, reprogram itself to mm -hmm. learn and make better decisions down the line. So uh, we've been kind of using this for a really long Lo time. Yeah, I completely agree. AI has been a lot of different things that they've been using for years. It's kind of kind of a buzzword. I think what's different now is it's a lot more sophisticated than it used to be. The big fear now is it's it's at the level where it can, in a way, start replacing certain jobs. I think even Elon Musk said, oh, if you're worried about automation, then be an engineer or an artist because you can't automate those things. Exactly. But yeah. now that AI is automating it's those touching things. those areas. <laughs> so yeah. it's, yeah, it, I guess no job is safe. Yes, in some situations they may take jobs, but in some situations they may be replaced Placing what we used to do as humans, but it might be in our best safety, especially with defense. If something goes wrong, it's better that it's not a human. From what I've seen, the, the direction the Department of Defense is heading is they don't want to necessarily replace people. There's certainly an advantage to, you know, we don't want to put troops on the ground who could get killed when we can send in like one autonomous vehicle, for example. Exactly. Um, what it comes down to, it, it's always cost, right? Is it cheaper to send in a drone or is it cheaper and just as effective to send in a fire team, right? To okay. take care of the same situation. But right now, uh, the biggest thing is they very much want a human in control. If we have autonomous like fighter jets, right? They want, they still want a human behind the cockpit of like an F-16 flying with these drones. So they're just kind of supplementing that and they're providing more defensive capabilities. So that way, if our pilot, our human pilot is being engaged by an enemy aircraft, you have drones that can intercept while he can still focus on his primary mission, which is reconnaissance or taking out a target, something like that, right? And that's a perfect example of another philosophy that we carry here at the AI Chicks about AI being interdependent with humans because a lot of the AI tools that we're seeing coming to market that have already been incorporated in our everyday lives is dealing with something that is interacting with the human. Right. It's not completely yeah. autonomous. So yeah. um, I'm curious though, when it comes to the defense space, who's responsible for the implementation of that in the military? So for example, with the Palantir software, it can give suggestions mm -hmm. on which operations to do. But then what happens after that? You know what I mean? Like who's, who's then taking those decisions decisions and then deciding and implementing and taking responsibility after you're getting the support of AI. So there, there's a, the military is all about hierarchy. You'll probably hear that term all the time, chain of command, chain of command. So every battle space or every operation will typically have one main commander. And that person is for the most part in charge of all the decisions. So they'll have whatever their objectives are, whatever they're trying to achieve. They assess the risk, how are we gonna get this done? And then they kind of put the orders down to their other commanders and like subcommanders and other components. And then we have what we call decentralized leadership. Say you're deploying a SEAL team, right? They have their orders, they have directives, but at certain points they might have to go radio silent or they have to make their own decisions. How are we gonna achieve this? How are we gonna you know, have mission success? When are we gonna abort if we need to? Things like that, right? And it's entrusted to them to make the right decision. I'm really glad that we're talking about this because this is something that I'm always very passionate about. We've had so many conversations is the humanness. Technology is a tool. That's something that I'm a big exactly. proponent of. Yeah. It's a tool. And I'm so glad that you also alluded to earlier. We're still far away from the Terminator slash, you know, being taken over by the robots, so right. to speak. And I think when you're talking about the decision making aspect, we're working with the technology. The technology might be giving a commander, here are the options, but still there's the person in charge that has to look at the data and you can't just 
completely rely just on the technology. Exactly. So I think that's exactly. a really important. Yeah. <laughs> okay, then we can switch gears like to autonomous vehicles. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about the types of autonomous vehicles and maybe you know the different ways that they're used? We want to replace every vehicle with an autonomous vehicle, right? Aircraft, uh, naval vessels, uh, ground transportation, things like that. So we just don't want anyone <laughs> flying and driving. I mean, so are we going well, to need driver's licenses or pilot I mean, license? I mean, okay. On the civilian not- side, they want autonomous delivery drones. I know Domino's, I think, experimented with that for a long mm-hmm. time. And then there's a fear of what if somebody shoots it down and steals my pizza? Okay, uh, so cool. that's a, that's kind of an interesting problem. Um, <laughs> or like, how, how do I know somebody's not going to throw a net up and steal my Amazon packages, right? So the, I think they're trying to figure that out. Search and rescue is a big area right now people mm-hmm. are trying to improve on. They have like drone snakes that can get through little cracks and crevices there's a soccer team that was trapped in a cave they were on like a little field trip and there was water there's like a typhoon it was a nightmare like humans could not physically get to this cave and they sent like a robot snake in to just verify like that they were alive and that they what they needed things like that from the military standpoint ukraine has demonstrated that the biggest threat right now is drone swarms Ukraine was burning through 10,000 drones a month because they're one-ray drones. They're designed to intercept or to detonate, right? 10,000 a month. And that's the big problem right now. So this is unclassified, right? The Pentagon to the press was, we want to be able to eliminate 1,000 targets within 24 hours, which is crazy. And that that doesn't mean like 1,000 people. That's like 1,000 ships, 1,000 tanks, forward operating bases, airfield. That's a lot, right? Um, and that that's a big ask. So the idea is they want to develop drone swarms and that's where AI comes in because one person can't control a thousand drones at the same time. Exactly. Right? You need to be able to tell a machine, these are your targets, they are confirmed, we want to take them out and go do your job. So you're talking about autonomous drones, autonomous planes, autonomous vehicles, and then also sure. submarines? Yeah. Okay, so I, you know, I just want to give people a sense of it's. We're not just talking about just a car. Yeah, Andrew actually has one. It's called Dive. It's really, really cool. I've I've seen it in person. It's it's about the size of an SUV. Um, fun fact: the entire exterior is entirely three D printed, which is kind of cool. Oh, um, and it's really popular right now for oceanographic research. Okay, drones can be used for what they call ISR. It's intelligence, surveillance, and reconnaissance. They're smart enough to track certain targets, like oh, we're gonna follow this this species of bird, or oh, we have a human target that's getting in his car. He's someone of interest, so we're gonna we're gonna track him and establish a pattern of life because we want to see what he does on a day to day basis. So you okay, can that is okay. Can we just pause? real quick sorry <laughs> just to think about that for a second oh you're you know you're getting in your car and then there's like a drone someone sent a drone to follow you around now it's one thing if you're a bad guy and it's the military doing yeah. it it's another thing if it's if you know just Lana if you're your, just a regular person <laughs> yeah and like, it's like the advanced ai stalking yeah it's advanced ai stalking <laughs> oh great Another thing to keep people up at night, but sorry guys, but I'm just, I'm just also connecting how this can be kind of always trickle back down to just a basic case. For an individual, like a regular person, right? The rule number one is always make yourself a hard target, right? So don't be the lowest hanging fruit. You don't share private stuff unless you absolutely trust that person. And just be careful what you put out there on social media. Most intelligence that is gathered is what's called OSINT. It's open source intelligence. I would say that probably upwards of 95 plus percent of intelligence is open source. 
Wow. It's things wow. So it's that already are, out there. Yes, it's easy to find, right? It might not be the most vulnerable stuff that you can find, like state secrets, right? Um, but for the most part, yeah, if you're trying to track an individual, they probably have social media somewhere. They probably have friends that do, and you can just do some digging and find enough to start following that person and see who their associates are and that kind of stuff. So, so basically, all in all, it seems as though making yourself a hard target means to just, I guess, share less. Sure. Uh, with your digital footprint. Just be smart. If you have the money, I'd say the easiest thing to do is you could hire a private eye. And I know a lot of celebrities actually do that. Um, Palantir, I, I had a friend that used to work for Palantir and one of his jobs was to do what we call sanitize and is sanitize somebody's public profile. So you can go through and, and delete people's records because Privacy Act laws, Freedom of Information Act, there's certain things that it's like, hey, this is PII, personal identifiable information, like my address, my phone number, my social security number. You can tell them, please take me out of your system. And nine times out of 10, they have to. Um, so there's things like that that you can do is there an AI for this? <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't AI. be surprised. There's there should be an AI that could just scrub. Yeah, I mean, you, yeah, you scrub, like you just search the web and be like, okay, all of these, I found it all in these places and you can call, contact these places and, you know, get your information yeah. removed. Yeah, yeah I that mean, would be ideal. I wouldn't be surprised. There, yeah, there's like an app for everything. There's probably going to be an AI, AI for, for everything. everything. I know we've been getting a lot into all of the, uh, you know, security defense <laughs> operations, but we want to really also touch on cyber attacks. So like MGM and Caesars had their big cyber attack, lost mm -hmm. about $100 million. And when people watch that, I think their first take is, well, like, that's a big company. They got attacked, you know, kind of like their problem. But it's not their problem, right? Because if you were a customer and you went and stayed at those hotels and they have your customer information, their cyber attack could trickle down to impacting sure. you, right? They could steal your credit card information or, or whatnot, right? So what's happening on a bigger scale with a large company also does come downstream. It's just interesting for you to comment on that, the, the rise of cybersecurity um, concerns that would happen with emerging technology. Sure. So uh, in cybersecurity, AI has, it's a bit of a double-edged sword because on one hand, security companies and security specialists in that space are using it to help automate a lot of things. So they can kind of program all this stuff that they wanted to do, and then they can implement AI to kind of take care of those day-to-day -day tasks that a human might find really mundane. You can have uh, burnout, things like that, and, and that can affect your performance, right? So AI can handle a lot of that low-level background kind of stuff. And machine learning is a really big thing in cybersecurity right now. That's also kind of a component of artificial intelligence. And that's another big thing where you have these different threat actors, they have different sort of MOs, mm -hmm. different things that they're looking for, different ways that they operate. And you can train the AI to look for those behaviors. It can help find threat actors and, and do a lot of the work for them so they can focus on the more higher level stuff. On the flip side of that, from a threat actor perspective, if I'm trying to break into a network or break into a system, I can use AI to automate a lot of those tasks. I don't know if you knew this. I don't think we've ever mentioned this to Andrew, but I did have a little hacker, a hacker phase when I was when I was 14. And so when we were getting into, you know, thinking about AI and national security cybersecurity, all of those things, literally the little hacker in me was like, wait a second, as AI advances, that just means hacking advances, right? right. Yeah. And there, there's a ton of hacking tools that they're perfectly legal. They're free. I oh. have some on my own computer, right? You can download Kali Linux and that comes with free to use kind of things. And it's meant for cybersecurity professionals to do like penetration testing and that kind of stuff. Look for their own vulnerabilities to harden their own systems. But anybody could technically use those for, for external. Yeah. Right, yeah. right. Uh, because those tools are really good. And 
a lot of these tools may or may not have been developed by agencies like the NSA and may or may not have somehow found their way out on the black market or, you know, the, may or may not have. the dark yes. net, things like yeah. that. And then now it's just, they're just readily available tools. You have what they kind of consider your low level threat, which are script kitties. Those are the people that can download these programs, watch some YouTube videos and like, oh, I'm hacking, installing a script on somebody's computer, right? Yeah. Then you have like your kind of mid-tier hackers. These are people that are a little smarter. Maybe they have some education or some training. They know enough to, to cause some damage, right? And that's a pretty big group. That's probably your biggest bulk. Don't look at me, Lana. Don't look at me. I mean, I uh, I don't know you if you have some experience in this field. I think you have a little more experience than a script like, kitty. Okay, where, where am so, I on this level? No, I, I was. I definitely was more than a script I, kitty. Yeah, I like this little script kitty thing. Yeah, this is. A, no, yeah. I think we're more like you know a puma. But okay, yeah. I'm kind of curious what now. What kind of things you you played with? Because cybersecurity folks, people that are actually interested in like hacking or doing yeah. what they call red teams, where they pretend to be yeah, bad guys, uh-huh. red teams and that kind of stuff, uh, they'll build their own home labs and they'll download free software and, and try to hack their own boxes. Is that like ethical systems. hacking when people like, yes. when yeah. like IT yeah, companies that's, have that's, like yeah, ethical hacking? That's why hacking. I was saying like, yeah. I, was, I was like a baby hacker because I wasn't was actually, a baby hacker. I was tapping into their websites and their company databases, but just to look. Like I wasn't actually. Yeah, girl, you weren't supposed to be there. So you're like, do you you're understand that? That like, is like every like every premise just, of a hacker is like I was just trying to look. Like, come on, girl, get out of like, here. I wasn't stealing anything, and I wasn't gonna like use it to. Like, obviously, we're like yeah. you're an ethical person. Like, yeah, yeah. So you're doing like well, SQL yeah. injection and stuff like that. Yeah, and I was like tapping into like their source code and then like going into. So it was, it was just I was Andrew's just like, hmm, oh, I, wow. you think yeah, you know somebody. I was just exploring <laughs> and being like, oh, and also too because I was you know learning coding. When I first ended up hacking was by accident. And I was like, oh, this is how they do it. <laughs> right. Asia's and- the accidental hacker. She's <laughs> okay. in the second tier. So what the, what's the what's third the tier? The, the third tier is the big threat, right? The country-backed actors. So those are usually groups of highly trained, highly skilled individuals. A lot of them are professionals in the cybersecurity world. And they moonlight as a, a gray hat. That's kind of people that play both sides of the line or are just a black hat for hire. You can make some pretty good money doing that. Is it the global powers race and things like that typically? Or are there other groups for a mon- just monetary gain? It's a bit of a mixture of both. Um, from a defense standpoint, right? Or a national security standpoint, the biggest threat would be other countries right. because they have a specific goal in mind. We want to tank their economy. We want to shut down power grids. All of our, our electrical grids, our plumbing, all that kind of stuff. They're really old systems. Yeah. They're logic controllers. They're not actual like smart computers. They were designed to last for decades, but we've already passed that point. And and it's a huge thing that the, the government is trying to work with private industry to beef up and to fix. But it's expensive and it's a complex problem, right? But you have companies like Caesars, for example, or these casinos. Then you have some highly skilled individuals who are hacking that purely for monetary gain, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there's like hacktivists, right? Like Anonymous and other groups like that trying to make a statement. Make a statement, make a um, point, yeah. I don't know if that would be as dangerous as somebody trying to hack a casino, for example, or tank the economy, right? Uh, those would probably be the bigger threats that people are more focused on. Mm-hmm. And then in terms of everyone else, I mean, yeah, it can certainly trickle down. That's certainly a concern. And one of the big problems right now is cybersecurity is very expensive and we don't have enough people to do it. Circling back around to AI, what could the everyday person, a small business, are there certain things that you recommend they start learning for AI to protect themselves more? Honestly, with a simple Google search, you could find a lot of really smart things to do. For the people who are just hearing about AI for the first time, <laughs> okay. what should they Google? Give them, give them yeah. the prompt. Give them the prompt. <laughs> simple things like how to harden my network, right? Um, so you 
use complex passwords, right? Don't use the same password for everything. Always use two-factor authentication if you can. When it comes to like serious bigger threats, there are lots of resources out there. Like if you are a victim of a cyber attack, there's resources you can tap into. The FBI has a bunch of resources for that. They like to track cyber criminals because you know, this is kind of their jurisdiction. Mm -hmm. um, so that there's, you just Google and, and look for how to make it hard for somebody to access my router and things like that. If you have a lot of passwords, only share them with employees that need to know that information. Mm -hmm. I'll say this, the biggest threat in terms of cybersecurity is always the human element. And what happened in the case of like Caesars and MGM is it was, a, I believe, a 10 minute phone call and the people used a technique called social engineering. And it's a huge problem. These people are very, very good at talking you into telling them enough about your system so that they can get in. Mm -hmm. A lot of times they'll fake being an employee and say, hey, I'm trying to get into this. And they kind of play in on you being friendly um, and be like, yeah, I'll help you out. I, this sounds like a legitimate employee. I'll give you like a password, things like that, um, that you just have to be really careful of. So. Uh, the, the military has a saying we use all the time, trust but verify, right? Oh, I love that. Like you say you're an employee, great. What's your badge number? Or who do you work for? Who's your supervisor? Like, I, I'm sorry, this is inconvenient, but I just need to make that extra phone call to make sure you are who you say you are. Yeah. And usually social engineers, they'll know, okay, I got to back out. This is not the right person to talk to, right? And they're going to find the next weakest link. This is the first time I'm really hearing about this term of like social engineering. engineering yeah. But it's good to, to hear really about educating people on what they can do, even the small steps, changing your passwords, two-factor authentication. I think those are little ways that you can protect yourself yeah. in the digital world. And also for those running businesses, really making sure that you train and inform your employees mm -hmm. about these types of dynamics, as well mm -hmm. as finding a way to make sure that there's a system in place where you can identify where you're talking to a true employee versus, you know, getting social engineered. Right. I mean, apparently, yeah, I got to watch out for that social engineering. Okay, I just, I just, you know, it's always interesting and fascinating to hear about um, different aspects to think about. What do you think the role of accountability is right now in terms of the military when they're using data and AI? How has that been programmed? Sure. So right after 9-11, there was the Patriot Act, right? On a security standpoint, kind of desperate times call for desperate measures. If we suspect somebody, it's fair game, right? Um, since then, there have been a lot of issues and a lot of people trying to mitigate or repeal that. So right now, when it comes to the intelligence industry, right, the, the Department of Defense does not operate in the US. They're not supposed to by design, right? That's the FBI's jurisdiction yeah. or Homeland Security. And then at the state level, you have National Guard, things like that, right? Uh, so the military is not supposed to operate within the US unless it's like a time of emergency. Then again, typically it's National Guard that steps in. Um, so with military intelligence, there it, it is possible to, we call it collection when you're gathering information, that's collection. And then once you collected it and store it, you can analyze it and then turn it into intelligence products. Mm -hmm. So typically somebody will say, we need to know this, cool. You go to your collectors, they go out, they figure out how to collect this information, whether it's through hacking, grabbing signals there's human intelligence like what the cia does where you interview people yeah. things like that spying right there's different ways of gathering intelligence right and that's all collection so what i've learned out of this answer is do not use the word surveillance it's okay collecting. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, but, but, but that's a good point but like what do you know what do you think about the ai tools for surveillance and how are they being used in the military and do you have any comments of how they're being used you know even more mainstream 
can't really talk about that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, that's fine. Yeah. Gosh, Lana, you're always pushing with the hard, tough I'm questions. I'm always pushing with the hard it's questions. A, it's a good I question really... I can't answer. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> but, all right, but you, you see where we're going there, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. She's like, tell me when we're done recording. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, and on that note, as we're wrapping up, yes. I feel like this is a good lesson that I've learned from you, Andrew. If you're looking for further protection, whether that is for your business, for yourself, um, you can just prompt AI and ask, what are those? those uh, services, what are those software, what are those things that I can use to better protect myself, better protect my company and go from there. Yeah. And I think the other thing that I loved in this conversation is just what you talking about the military. At the end of the day, again, AI is a tool and you still need to have humans at the helm exactly. of it all. So thank you so much, Andrew, course, for joining us. Thank you. My mind has been blown by this mind conversation for sure. Yes. Learned a lot um, and really, really appreciate your time and you sharing all that insight with us. Thanks for joining the AI Chicks podcast. Podcast, and we look forward to having you join us in another episode. Take care. Take Bye. care. Bye. Listen to the AI Tricks on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Video episodes are available on Patreon. And check out our socials at the AI Chicks.